Hi, and welcome to the Above and Beyond podcast. My name's Joe Ambrose, and I'm the Senior School Improvement Leader for Greenshaw Learning Trust. Today on the podcast, we've got Joseph Smith. Joseph is the producer for Rocket Stage, which is the theatrical arm of Sir Elton John's production company, Rocket Entertainment. And he's also an Olivier Award-winning producer, having produced the global hit musical, Come From Away. Today we talk about the importance of legacy responsibility to the integrity of our organisation, how autonomy is leadership development in itself, and why independence within a framework is so important. But he started by telling us about his leadership journey to this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started off from um, working uh, in an internship, really, at the National Theatre in London, straight after university, and was really there just to learn, open my eyes and ears and really understand what the mechanic and process of um, the backstage world of theatre was. I had very little responsibility at that point other than to work to other people and do what other people said in an administrative capacity. But I I quickly realised within a couple of years that I wanted to be the one who was involved in making the decisions, who was managing people and influencing the processes the creative processes that one goes through in the arts to um, deliver work, deliver creative work. And I guess so my instincts kind of kicked in a little bit in my mid-20s, I would have said that I realised I wanted to be in a position where I was influencing the process, both financially, artistically, practically. And I think that's where I started, you know, kind of you know, emotionally and psychologically coalescing around the idea of the word producer, which really, when I was growing up in the, in you know, my early stage of my career in the 90s, wasn't a very fashionable word, theatre producer. We were still called administrators or arts managers or those kind of things, a much more sort of administrative language. Um, and I was just going to kind of touch on one thing, you know, theatre is quite a unique profession in the sense that, um, we use this kind of phrase which sounds quite grand, which is called impresario, which is from the Italian impressa, which is to mean literally an undertaking. And I think that's a kind of interesting word if you expand it out, this word undertaking, because it is a huge undertaking and it is a huge responsibility to be a producer on a show. I think for those who work outside of the sector, maybe the director of a play or a musical or you know, the conductor of an orchestra or someone who is in a very public-facing, visible leadership role within that creative process is often the person, when you're outside the sector, you look in and think, well, they're the one in the leadership position. But really in our sector, the the true leadership role sits with the producer. And when I talk about that um, impressa, the undertake, you know, the undertaker of of the kind of role, the weight of that role sits across a multitude of different responsibilities but ultimately every single decision on the production whether that decision is delegated or whether that decision is made solely by you as the leader you know the buck stops with you the responsibility stops with you and therefore the weight of expectation stops with you so you may have a very high profile actor a very high profile director 
you know, an esteemed musical th- director, but all of those people are leaders in their field. But ultimately, within the project you're putting together, the play, the musical, whatever it is, the piece of live art, y- ultimately they're all working to you in one way or another because you bluntly control the purse strings. You also devise the framework, both kind of practically and culturally and financially within which the project operates. And you're also there to, um, you know, I always say with producers, you're kind of the custodian of the idea. You're the, you're the, you're the kind of, um, you're the, you're the temp posts in which the idea has to um, flourish and be supported, but at the same time, has to be given a set of parameters that it can't move outside of. So, I, I, you know, I, th- I think that kind of goes into a different kind of philosophical argument about it all. But basically, my leadership qualities are defined by some of the things I've just said there. And my journey into that leadership started in my mid-20s. And I, and I re- quickly realised I didn't want to be a megalomaniac and be all-powerful. I wanted to be in a position where I was given responsibility in order to invest trust and responsibility in other people i'm I'm quite interested in in the relationship between director and producer so not coming from the creative the, the creative world what would what would be a really good you know relationship between those two people because if you're not from 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 the arts you sort of think you know so films who's that film directed by is what you'd ask. You might not ask who's that film by be, being produced by. Yeah. Um. But but from what from what I'm hearing, um, you know that the 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 producer is actually the one who is who is yeah is the custodian. So what's the relationship like? A really good relationship between producers and directors. Well, I think that, that I think ultimately it comes down to respect and it comes down to clear communication about what those two individuals' roles are. And I think that there's some things that feel sort of non-contentious in the sense that. Um, the producer is there to you know devise a budget for the show and that not only takes into account what the set looks like and the costumes and some of those more visible assets but also like how much you're going to spend on the marketing of the project how much you're going to spend on the rehearsal process how much you're going to spend on you know whether there's some creative development that happens before you do the project so I imagine that those two roles are kind of they're they're linked together so closely because you as a producer, if if I've chosen a play, like for example, t- um, two years ago, uh, there was a, there's a brilliant Sam Shepard play called True West, which is a, cl- a, a classic American play about the relationship between two brothers. I've always loved the play, always had an itch that I wanted to produce it. So instigated the acquisition of the rights for the play from an from a agent in America. And then I set out to go, OK, who do I feel as a producer would best serve this play? Which director from all the plays I've seen, all the projects I've seen, the people I've met, who would best serve my vision of the play? And I, and I guess that's, that's where the fundamental relationship between the director and the producer starts. So when I approach that person, from the minute they agree that they'd like to take on board the project, I always feel like it's a bit like kind of having a baby, isn't it? It's like from the minute the baby is born, the whole process is about gaining independence, but within a framework. 
You yes. can't step out of the framework and put the baby in danger or put the baby into school too soon or do you know what I mean? Or it can't walk too soon. So so really, I mean it's a bit of a clumsy analogy, but really the baby or the or the kernel of the idea sat with me and gradually I'm gonna bring people on board, often starting with the director as the other key or the key creative leadership role on the project, and go, look, I'm gonna invest in you a level of trust and responsibility within this framework to now take that play that's on the page and put it on the stage. And I'm going to give you parameters. I'm going to support you. I'm going to give you feedback. I'm going to give you um, good counsel when you come to me with decisions about who else you'd like to work with. We're going to collaborate on putting the rest of the team together. So so I think the key, the key tenant of that relationship is trust yeah. and communication. They're the two absolute key things. And instinct, in a way, instinct that this person man or woman, you know, is the best person to serve your thoughts about about the vision for that show and the reason why you want to see that show on the stage in the first place. Yeah, that's, it, it's really interesting. The 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 um, I, I, I'm so interested in the in the sort of that, that 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 creative relationship and and actually there's a parallel that we've seen with lots of leaders we've been talking to about that. You know, there's a house builder uh, that we've talked to who talks about freedom within a framework. Yeah. So he was saying that you know you want the fact you. Know, you want the foundations of the house. You don't want people to be taking risks with that. Yeah. But maybe you know what the windows look like. Uh, you know what yeah, carpets think, are going to go in. That's it. a re- really. It's a very good comparison because ultimately the director is there to to to, to interpret the play. I yeah. love the play as I read it, and I've got an idea of the production that I want to see of that play. But I'm not going to sit there and go to the director. This is the production that's in my head, and that's what I want to see. I approach yeah. that director because that director's aesthetic on previous shows or in, in in your analogy with builders, if that architect has designed previous houses that I'm interested in, I'm gonna go, oh, I'm building this house or this this estate and I want your influence on it. So yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go, this is how much money we've got, this is the plot of land, blah, 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 blah. But I'm probably gonna go, but then I wanna see what your creative ideas are because yeah. I love your work about how you interpret the brief. Yeah. If you just say, you'll deliver my brief, what's... <laughs> What's that relationship? I don't know what that relationship is. It's certainly not creative, and no. it certainly isn't trusting. No, so, no. You know. it, it, and 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 it, and it will often lead lead to a to a less um, high quality final yeah. final product, right? Because if you wanted to do that bit, you'd just do it yourself. Well, exactly. Actually, and there's yeah. some producers who also want to be directors and designers and those things. But I would say ninety nine times out of a hundred, you don't get the best version of the work if you're if you're trying to cover off all those things and that's the absolute skill of a producer is that you're the sort of um you have knowledge of all the aspects without specialism of any any particular one if you see what i mean so yeah. you have a broad enough knowledge of all the aspects that you can engage in you know you know creative conversation about every aspect financial conversation technical conversation practical conversation but you're not there going but i can do that job you're there going I have a valid input into that, but I've invested in you the ability to deliver it. Yeah. The, the, so so, so, so out, outside of, so that's, it sounds like one of the key tenants of being a really excellent producer is um, having a small amount of knowledge about everything and knowing which people to work with. So knowing yeah. the teams that, that you can pull together. What other behaviours do great leaders or, or really great producers or great leaders in your industry display? I think... Um, you know, just to be clear to those people listening, 
theatre producing, whether it's in the subsidised sector, so the sector that's supported by the government and the Arts Council, or the commercial sector, which I work in, which is, um, you know, driven by investment and and that, you know, those two things that sits quite uncomfortably next to each other sometimes, which is creative, you know, delivery and profit, which sometimes can feel like a dirty word in the, in the arts. But I think all producers who sit across both the subsidised and the commercial sector have to have an inherent leadership um, quality, which is about risk, the enjoyment of risk, because it is a hugely risky business, hugely risky business. I mean, if anyone else said to you that, you're, that, that you that you go into rehearsing a play or a musical with with no knowledge apart from your about apart from your instincts and your and your skills and your and your kind of you know past experience to get to get you to to work within that structure to deliver the best thing you could deliver you know if you like to go back to your own building a house I would imagine as much as there is a, also a creative and challenging process there there's quite a narrow technical ability to deliver that process because yeah. ultimately you're building something for someone to live in with our process it's all about is it the right actor is it the right you know designer is it is the play going to work is it, how are the how is that creative chemistry all going to come together and i feel like as a producer you know who who you know who who you know hopes they're a good leader as well is that you have to put aside the randomness of what you're trying to put together yeah. and embrace the risk, if you see what I mean. So I yeah. think you have to embrace, you have to be a bit of a risk junkie to be yes. a leader in this industry and risk comes with reward, be that financial, artistic accolades, you know, profile, all those other things that a lot of people in their professional careers seek, but risk really sits as the, as the bedrock kind of um, acknowledged it's not, it's not really so much a skill, but it's a kind of uh, trait or yeah. more than anything. And yeah. I think when you go on from there, I think we've 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 talked about trust. I think that's huge. We've talked about um, clear communication, and I think that despite we've used the word impresario and you know and and power and leadership and stuff, you have to absolutely be. Um, you have to absolutely trust the process that you're going into in such a sort of confident way that even when you're doubting yourself, you can't let that doubt show to anyone that's working within your team. You, yeah. They look to you to be the person when their processes are all being really challenging to, to, to guide them and protect them and, and support them, if you see what I mean. Yeah. No, ultimately, you're the one taking, you're the one really on a financial and practical level taking all the risk, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So with, with the, with, with risk, I think that's quite, um, because you've got to balance risk, right? So, so you've got to balance like something that you think is going to be commercially successful. Like you can't just go completely like, you know, we're going to create a completely silent version of something completely out of the box that, that, that that is really risky to do. You've got to, you've got to balance those two things. So uh, have you got a methodology? You've, you've talked a lot about sort of instinct and sort of gut feelings. Have you got a methodology for, 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 for for the decision-making you do when you, when you, um, you know, decide to take risks on things? You know, it's it's an interesting one because I think that there's a whole conversation we can have around creative kind of methodology, which which is about who are those people that you want to work with and delegate those key creative roles to. And ultimately, your methodology is about 
is about what's their track record, you know, you know their CV for want of a better word, their success in directing the type of projects that you wish to wish to look to develop with them. So there's a sense of kind of um, are you going to be in as safe a hands you can be in with those people, which is why in the arts a lot of producers and directors or producers and designers or producers and other creatives collaborate over long periods of time because they gain a position of, of, of trust and kind of connectivity to each other. So I think there's that side of it. On the kind of financial side of it and the methodology, there are, I mean, we could dig into this and I could deliver a two-hour lecture on the financial dynamic of production, but effectively in the commercial theatre sector, which I work in, where there is no subsidy, so there's no there's no safety net. You raise the money from investors to put the project on and it lives or dies on the amount of tickets it's sold and how well you financially manage the show alongside the creative delivery. You know, that's the kind of formula. But I think we always look in our industry to create financial models for our shows that are sustainable. And some of those, which is a methodology in itself, so some of those things are... I can only budget for a certain amount of money to deliver this project because I know the more money that I spend on the delivery of the project, the harder it is and the more tickets I have to sell in order to make that money back and make the project financially successful. So, so yes, you can make the best go of it you can by putting the best team together and a team you trust and work with so brilliantly but they've also got to be operating within a financial methodology. And if that that financial methodology is, let's just say the play runs for 12 weeks because the star you've got with the play, and in the case of Drew West, which I talked about before, we had Kit Harrington, the guy from Game of Thrones. He was available for 12 weeks. We knew the play would only run for 12 weeks. So I have to create a financial structure and methodology that is going to have the best chances possible of selling as many tickets as possible in order to pay back the investment we put to put the show on over and num- over that limited number of weeks yeah so, yeah. so there's absolutely a methodology in it, it to mitigate risk 100 yes. percent. but ultimately you're not going to know how successful your project's being all you can do is set the most structured and and supportive um kind of financial and artistic framework in place but it's still going to be about that first performance when that first audience comes in, what is that reaction? Because yeah. that's going to be the first point that tells you whether that project is going to be a slog or whether it's going to be successful or not. And that's just purely subjective by yeah. that 800 people in the audience. Yeah. Are they going to like it or not? And I have no methodology for that. <laughs> yes, that, 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 that's quite interesting. So, so getting feedback on your work, in, 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 in particularly in live theatre, because I, I don't know, do you do things like screen tests for, for small Well, audience? what you do in theatre, and um, some people will know this who've, who've dipped into it a bit, you, don't, you, don't, you do put it in front of an audience straight away, but, but those first you know, eight or ten performances, we call them previews. So there's time within that framework in the day to re-rehearse scenes on stage, change bits, uh, you know, just 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 gradually road test the show. But it's in front of a live audience. So there's yeah. judgment being given every single night. And then it's not until the end of that 10 or 12 performance process that the the critics come in, you know, people who do the reviews yeah. in the newspapers and online and all those places. And that's the critical point where the second big marker in the process to define its success or failure is going to happen, which is the critical response. So it's really the audience response and the critical response over that 12-week period that's going to define whether your show is going to work or not. And obviously I'm giving the context of a 
week yeah. play. There's many other versions yeah. of 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 of, um, of the process. I think it's it, there's a parallel here for school leaders, which is that that that's something that, that that I've sort of reflected on that, that you just spoke about, which is that fact that they're doing it in front of a live audience. Yes, that you're making the test, you're making your initial test as close to the real thing yeah. as 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 it is. So 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 if I if I'm sort of you know try, try, trying to stretch the metaphor a little bit here, no, but if it. if Critics Day is when when kids are doing their exams, exactly, and 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 that that that's the day. Okay, yeah. it's high stakes, but we're going to practice it as close to possible yeah. as we can. So we'll have mock exams beforehand. Yeah, exactly. In the exam hall, yeah. doing the same papers, yeah. exactly like you would do yeah. it, but we have a chance. It, whereas the parallel is in the day we can change the scenes, yeah. we can have a look at the papers and we can be like, these kids are, are really struggling with yeah, covalent bonding. More on this question, or we need to yeah. get more of that subject matter to bring their levels up. Yeah, and, and yeah. I, I was thinking about that analogy, and you know, and actually, in, in, in an odd way, the kids are the, the you know, the kids are, are both the sort of audience and the performers in a school, aren't they? Yes. It's <laughs> also within the framework of a school, the kid, the kids are, you know, they're, they're, well, actually, they're the critics, the performers and the audience, aren't they? You know, <laughs> yes. It's an interesting one. So what does the teacher, in our warped analogy, actually yeah. become? You know, the director, maybe. They're the yeah. director, the producer, yeah, effectively, saying yeah. what? can I get the best out of this situation within a framework? And in a school, you have a budget, a set of parameters, only a certain amount of time in the school day. You know, there's a lot of parallels, particularly when it comes down to leadership. Um, And also the huge one is motivation. Yeah, and 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 we all we all know in our sectors as leaders that unless you are a motivator and unless you have some level of charisma, it's hard to get people to go on the journey with you. And, And in a, in a, in a, creative arts project that's not just the key creative members the director and the designer it's also the actors and then from there it's all the it's all the kind of non-employees who have to you have to bring on the journey with you who, who subcontract out to the project the theater owners all the staff at the theater you have to develop relationships with them however much you only encounter them at certain times they have to all be pulling in the same direction in a customer facing you know, kind of environment that I exist within. So from the minute that per- person chooses to buy a ticket, that hopefully they're process of turning up the theatre, watching the show, enjoying it, being served in a, with a smile at the bar, you know, getting a programme, reading the programme and enjoying it and going home at the end of the night saying that was a really fab night out is, is what I'm trying to do. And I need millions of people in the process to all pull in the same direction to give that person a great night out. Yeah, I think I think you know the, again the, the the synchronicity here, which is going to be useful to explore a little bit. So, school leaders, a head teacher will will have the same thing, which is balancing stakeholder needs. Yes. Um, to to use that sort of quite lumpen uh, like phrase, but but um, pupils, teachers, parents, governors, yeah. uh, national um, requirements, yeah. things like Ofsted and and yeah. and exam grades, um, and community. You know, uh, uh, support staff. Um, the, 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 the things that are, are real conflicting, often conflicting uh, needs or, or, or conflicting wants. How do you, you know, how do you balance those priorities as a producer? Yeah, it's a, no. Look, it's a really good question, and I don't think that there's a kind of golden answer to it or a formula or any of those things. I think that um, you know, playing on with our analogy, I think you're absolutely right. It's like I have to set a budget framework for the show, like I talked about, because my methodology is it cannot be too difficult 
to make back the money that I invested, that I raised and and um, invested in the show at the point of creation. So, so a director by ve- their very instinct and the rest of the creative team, if they're if they're worth their weight in go- gold, they are going to not sit there and go, "Yeah, I can deliver that. That's absolutely fine." They're going to push the boundaries yeah. as far as they possibly can, and it's your job as a producer to almost contain those boundaries but not feel like they're a hindrance to delivering the creative process. So it's a, it's a really fine line. And I think the best way to always do it is, is to be, well, I, you know, the way I do it in the arts and I, you know, you, you would be better to draw an analogy within the, within the public school system, um, state school system, sorry, I'm being American there, um, would, would be to, you know, in the arts would be to basically sit down at the start of the process and before your director and your key creative team have, have literally signed on to the project, you sit down and you, to have a, you have a very open discussion about everyone's vision for the show and then you talk very very broadly about the budget terms of the show you don't literally go you've got this amount of money and it will not change you go okay this show is set in a living room it's modern dress there's this number of actors you know we get a lot of information from what's on the page so we're able to go with with you know the knowledge and ability we have of previous shows this is what I think we can kind of deliver this show for. And often I'll then, you know, I, I kind of call it a parameters meeting, really. Yeah, yeah. When you sit down and have that parameters meeting, when the creative team then go, yeah, I think we can work within that framework, you go, great, let, then let's all agree that that's going to be the framework. Now, that's not to say the framework won't change sometimes, and, and flexibility is a key tenant in all of this. So sometimes something will just come out of the blue, like, I, what would be an example? Um, yeah. Like on True West, there's a, there's yeah. a, I'm, I'm carrying on on, on, on that as yeah. an example. Um, I hadn't think we we hadn't completely realised that every night a manual typewriter had to be a, destroyed on stage by one of the actors of the golf club, and yeah. we hadn't quite figured out over the course of you know ninety or a hundred performances what what the cost of that would really would really have been. Yeah. So when it came in via you know my technical support staff and the the need to you know because it's a key moment in the show we can't budget yeah you know we had to find a creative solution to it that didn't kind of make the budget look out of kilter so we basically had to pull back in another area of the budget whether it's the marketing of the project or you know another area where we're going to have to make some savings in order to to deliver on what I decided as a producer and the director was pushing for was a key creative kind of powerful tenant of the show, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So, so, you know, you have to have flexibility within the framework because there's always going to be uncertainty. So you have to have the ability in a leadership position position in the arts to have a level of improvisation and flexibility without becoming untethered from reality. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's something you said at the beginning there, which, which again, we've seen a, a few parallels in, so, um, in, in the police force. Um, so talking about the, these behaviours, which you want your, to, to use a crew term, middle leaders, yeah. so your director, there's behaviours that you want them to have, yeah. which actually you know you're going to have to control. So for them to be really pushing the boundaries... Yeah. Uh, um, 
Um, you want them to have that, but you know you're going to have to contain them. We yeah. want our heads of department to be really selfish about about you know the, uh, making sure that the kids in geography are going yeah. to do really really well. And police sergeants, um, so, so the superintendent we spoke to, he said the police sergeants, what you want them to do is really really sort of be selfish in looking after what 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 yeah. their squad is doing yeah, um, and and have that as a priority. You want them to do that, but you as the leader have to have to you know you know sort of dome that you have to you have to maintain that uh, and how it works alongside others no no absolutely because because it you know like in any sector in the arts and the example i just gave there's that you know every (laughs) every action has an opposite and equal reaction so if you if you go what are going to blow the budget in this area there's going to be a reaction to that on the other side which makes the show harder to sustain itself financially so you may have delivered something that feels very um satisfying creatively but unless you've created a balance from that by making savings in another area that because yeah. you've overspent in this area that you know the 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 effect is going to be you know the opposite you, you know effectively yeah. you may feel good you've delivered it creatively but financially you're going to be in a hole <laughs> yeah so, you know you, that's the absolute key balance and i feel like a produce you know a leader a leader in this sort of sense has to absolutely have a set of scales in their head that is yeah. fine-tuned between risk and reward, between yeah. kind of flexibility and inflexibility. And like where that needle sits is is the sort of holy grail. And yeah. also I think going on from there between head and heart, and that's in any business, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. do you lead with your head or your heart? And sometimes you have to lead with one and be really kind of bullish and go, no, this is what we're doing. And sometimes you have to be like, you know what, we're going to take this risk because we think it might pay off. But yeah. ultimately, everyone knows that a balance of head and heart is, 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 the, is the optimum thing to be doing. And anyone who thinks it's just about one or just about the other, particularly in the arts, is going to end up not being a leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a balance piece in that. And I think there's also something about being happy with n- not so so th- that 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 phrase around the perfect being the enemy of the good is often yeah. um, a, a really helpful, I think, in 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 leadership positions because um, easy decisions are easy to make. Okay, so decisions that are win-win, you just make them. You don't even think yeah. about them. Yeah. Decisions that have uh, negative consequences on both sides that's the stuff of leadership and yeah. you're right you need to be able to balance those balance those uh, balance those bits so yeah look and i think i know that's not quite a question but it's but it makes me think that the um the, the hardest sort of thing and I, i'm on the board of a, a charity um, i chair it which is a small theater in west london and um you know obviously everything will remain nameless but um you know one of the hardest things to do is to say no. Yeah. The hardest thing to do is to say no. And we have a kind of potential funder who um, is going to give generously to the arts organisation. But one of the dilemmas is that there seems to be an informal condition attached to it, which is they want their son or daughter to have a sort of version of an internship at the theatre. Yeah. Now, you know, it's not something we can do. It's not something we're resourced to set up to do. And also in the world of kind of you know, equality and diversity, it's it's giving an opportunity to someone for money who probably doesn't need that opportunity. Yeah. And I think I look at those kind of situations as a chair, which is also a kind of leadership role, and go, I I think the, t- to take the risk to go back to that person and go, we just can't deliver that and be really clear about it is a risk worth taking than to try and fit 
their request within a structure that doesn't exist, if you see what I mean. And there's a huge risk to say no, because then will that person be disappointed and not fund the organisation anymore and those kind of things. But ultimately, I think most of the time, people who, you know, are in, in the art sector just you know they for all our you know the idea that we're all sort of woolly artists who sort of love creating things ultimately most people in the art sector just love clarity and love structure and love and love a clear direction because it then allows them to be creative as we keep talking about within a framework so I do feel like it's really important to have the leadership ability to say no and back yourself yeah, yeah. And you're not always going to make friends. No, but ultimately you'll be respected. Yes, yeah. It makes your further it makes your further decisions. You know, if 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 in that situation you were to say yes, then you open yourself up for precedent. You know, other decisions to potentially be difficult down the line. If you say no, it's very clear that that's not how we work here. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and I think as a producer, I always say this when we're putting deals together for shows and I'm working with my managers and, and associate mm. producers who are in the front line, um, you know, for, for, you know, doing a deal to get an actor on board or a director. I always say to them, you know, we have a legacy responsibility to not break the structures that we as producers in this industry. And it's quite a relatively small industry in the sense that a lot of people know each other to not go outside of, you know, to not break precedents. Now, yeah. of course, financial and structural um, deals and things develop and change and things happen with inflation. But as much as possible, I always try and instill in the people who are working for me that you, on every project you do, there's a sort of there's a kind of developmental legacy. And do we want to be the people where on the next project that that director does? turns around to the next producer and goes, oh, well, they gave me a taxi to the airport, to the, to the theatre every day. Yeah. Or they gave me, you know, an assistant, um, you know, when I didn't really need, what, you know, exactly, yeah, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff. So I think there's absolutely a legacy issue and a, and a tangible level of responsibility for leaders in the producing sector. To, and this gets into that thing again of not just making decisions because you want to be liked, but yeah. making decisions because it's the best for the project and it be and it will be better for the long term future of the industry as well. Yeah, yeah, it's what um, the the all I think the All Blacks call it um, leaving the shirt in a better position than than when yeah. you got it. Yeah, completely. It's, it's... We are we are just picking the ball up and running with it yeah. on this journey. At yeah. some point, we're going to put it put it down. I'm going to retire and going to go yeah. off the sunset. And I don't want to be the known as the person whose legacy was that. You you know you, you you created structures that weren't sustainable yeah. by the, by some of the deals and the work you did you know yeah um I, I suppose that it segues quite nicely into our um into development of leaders yeah um, and we'll finish on this question um what's your approach to developing other leaders in in the creative arts and and do you ever encounter people who you just think you don't have what it takes yeah I mean uh, I just just for context uh, outside of my frontline producing job i also run a charity called stage one where i'm the chief executive and its sole purpose is to develop the you know broadly speaking the next generation of um th of theater producers it's specifically commercial theater producers and i think when i teach on the three-day workshop which we run you know every six months to a new cohort of um emerging should we call them 
uh, you know, or aspirational commercial theatre producers, I always, you know, I always tell them this story. I'm like, I always say to them, look, you know, we're getting back to the process of risk here. And I said, and I always say to them, look, you will be welcome with open, open arms on this course. Lots of professionals will share their skills and knowledge, ask loads of questions. And if at the end of it, you have enough knowledge to realize it's not for you, then this course has been just as successful to you as it has to the people who have come through it and gone, oh my goodness, I really want to do this as a career. Because I think this process is about opening it up to as many people as possible to at this stage to see if, see if it's for you. And I always tell this story at the beginning, which is whenever we do shows in the West End where effectively you're hiring a theatre and putting together the budget for a show and stuff, oftentimes you will sign the deal with the theatre commit to doing the show in the theatre in six months, nine months' time before you've raised a single penny of the money. Yeah. So effectively, you're signing a contract to say you're going to deliver this show before the show's created, before you've raised the money, and before you've spent any of the money. And, a, and half the audience at the workshop will always just go, the penny will drop, and they'll always just go, I don't think I can do that. Yeah. And the other half go... I want to do that. Bring it on. <laughs> right. Great. So th- there's a sort of self-selection piece in there. There's a little bit of that. And I don't say it to scare people, but I definitely think leadership in my sector, and we're talking about that impresario role, you know, that kind of theatre producer role, very specifically, I definitely think it's about can you acknowledge and manage risk? Can you do that? Can you acknowledge and manage manage risk? and still feel comfortable that you're going to enjoy the creative process. And, <laughs> and, you know, and I think that's where it lands. And lots of people, maybe they don't want to move into that sort of leadership position, but maybe there's other leadership positions they want to move into yeah. which require a level of responsibility and management of other staff. But ultimately, they're not the ones who are making the final decisions and the final deliberation of risk, if you see what I mean. And, and what about on the job? So during a production, do you, are there, is it possible to give leadership opportunities to people during production, oh, like look, developing a, them? A hundred percent. And I and I think that you know trust and delegation is absolutely a key a key um, tenant of the role. But what I would say is, you know, going back to the kind of boring nature again, the finances and the budget. The budget for your show is really the template for how the whole thing has to be held together. And I always say, if you can put that budget away in a drawer once you've created it and everyone's agreed it and kind of never get it out. I mean, obviously we need to run the accounts and create cash flows, <laughs> but if that, you know, it's like, it's like any contract. If you can, once you've agreed the terms, it's always really hard and negotiating the terms and getting all the details right, putting that line in the budget. But if you can then put that thing in the drawer, if you have to get it out, you know something's gone wrong. Okay. So once everyone's signed up to that position of trust, you hope that you put the framework away because everyone is trusting and confident within that framework. And also, more importantly, trust you to navigate any flexibility within that framework, that they're not going to need to get their contract out and check it. They're not going to need to get the budget out and double check it again because they don't remember what was in it and what was it, you know. So I think it's just really, really important that that, you know, you, then going back to your question about hmm. about how do you how do you instill in others a sense of their own leadership within the framework that that everyone knows their kind of role and parameters within the bigger 
jigsaw if you see what i mean so that production manager or that general manager or that prop supervisor or that um marketing director can go off and go i've been given a clear brief but actually within that framework i can be creative about where i spend the money where i nip and tuck in my little bit of the budget as long as the journey from a to b is my journey but when i get to b it's it, it it's where me as the producer wanted them to end up at particularly financially if you see what i mean so in some senses i trust people let's talk about the marketing role i trust people to spend the hundred and twenty thousand pounds on delivering the you know the profile marketing press and and advertising for the show but i'm not going to sit down and go i want to know how every single penny's spent because i'm going to go look you need to lead on that because you're the you're the professional you're the expert in that field i need to know when there's key things you want to run by me like what does the poster look like or should we do you know spend all this money on advertising on bus sides some of those big key decisions but in all the minutiae i need you to manage it fluidly because i'm going to be across everything i can't be intrinsically involved in your area on a minute by minute basis so yeah you're in the best producers are delegating all the time but knowing that delegation has a has a kind of limit if you see what I mean.